Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. Welcome, everyone. My name is Wendy, for those of you who um, are new. So it's great to see everybody today. Um, It's always exciting to have a local sit in a small community where we can all come together and sit in silence and study um, mindfulness, study the Buddhist teaching. Um, It's very precious to me and to Casey that you woke up early and got yourselves here and parked the car um, and that it was meaningful enough to you to keep coming and to keep practicing. Um, I always love this quote by Adyashanti. I say it often, the most important thing is to know what is the most important thing. And for me, um, and I think for a lot of you, we're all learning that it's, it's a treasure to practice together, mm-hmm. to walk the path together. So I'd like to talk today about... Um, the boundless heart, or we could say the courageous heart. And um, this um, phrase, boundless heart, comes directly from a sutta by the Buddha called the Metta Sutta, which we've read many times here before, and I'll read part of it to you now. Um, May all be happy and secure May all beings be happy at heart. All living beings, whether weak or strong, tall, large, medium or short, tiny or big, seen or unseen, near or distant, born or to be born, may they all be happy. Let no one deceive another or despise anyone anywhere. Let no one through anger or aversion wish for others to suffer as a mother would risk her own life to protect her child, her only child, so toward all beings should one cultivate a boundless heart. With loving kindness for the whole world should one cultivate a boundless heart, above, below, and all around, without obstruction, without hate, without ill will, standing or walking, sitting or lying down. Whenever one is awake, may one stay with this recollection. This is called a sublime abiding here and now. So the question is, what is a boundless heart? And and how does one stay with this recollection? Hopefully, um, in this talk, we can explore that. (laughs) We'll see what happens. Um, I think challenge is always with such a busy life and so many demands that we read these beautiful suttas, we read the Buddha's words, or listen to an audio talk, or pick up a book, And then this amnesia comes in, and it doesn't stay throughout the day. 
or it doesn't stay in our interactions with people or even in our with ourselves relationally as we deal with ourselves it kind of floats off somewhere like whoops it's gone gone too many tests too many things and so the challenge is really how to take these teachings and hold them in our hearts and live through them not just on the meditation cushion you know but um, really live make them alive teachings alive for us so that's what we will explore um, we've also here have had a class um, for the last six weeks on Tara Brock's book True Refuge we've been reading it together a few of you are here and um, she tells this um, sweet little story and I thought I'd read it as part of this um, so this is from the book after September 11th 2001 Attacks, attacks, as many people feared, ongoing and vicious spiral of retaliation and global violence. And a wonderful Cherokee legend went viral on the internet. So this kind of sprung up in our uh, media life, in the ethers, let's just say. Um, an old grandfather is speaking to his grandson about what causes the violence and cruelty in the world. In each human heart, he tells the boy, there are two wolves battling one another. One is fearful and angry. The other is understanding and kind. The young boy looks intently into his grandfather's eyes and asks, which one will win? His grandfather smiles and quietly says, whichever one we choose to feed. So I uh, like this one um, because part of uh, mindfulness practice in Buddhism is cultivating this open heart, this wide heart, and um, coming to that part of ourselves that loves unconditionally, that keeps the heart open and wide and receptive, no matter what is going on, um, that doesn't pick or choose or judge, but loves deeply, wildly, unconditionally, which is part of our true nature. It's part of who we are. And it's also a study about what gets in the way, what closes the heart and blocks the heart, so that um, we're guarded or reactive or retaliative, right, or angry. What is it that blocks this natural, beautiful flow that's our birthright, that's our being? I think when I read this um, sutta, many of you, if you contemplate your lives, you would find examples of situations and people who imbibed this teaching, who demonstrated it. You know, I'm sure everyone has a story, and I'd like to tell you one that I recall um, that makes me that reminds me of this sutta as a mother would risk her own life, yeah? So in the 80s, I was um, studying in Israel at the University of Jerusalem um, for a semester. And um, we were told when we got there, things to do and not to do, because this is always a um, very precarious situation in the Middle East. And um, there's always 
seems to be some difficulty or conflict. So um, we were told, um, don't go out at night alone. Um, don't go out late at night. And be careful about the cabs you take. And that was the three instructions. And being a young person and um, not always being mindful or even thinking, I found myself one night in Jerusalem alone, <laughs> late at night, and needing to take a cab, <laughs> as things go. And I can tell you the story behind that, but we won't go there. <laughs> we'll leave that alone. So uh, I thought, OK, I've got to call a cab. I got to get back to the campus. I got a class in the morning, and it's going to roll that way. And I get in a cab, and the driver is clearly an Arab man. And in those times, um, there were lots of Arab workers in Jerusalem and all over Israel, as I wish there were today, if things were better. Um, and you know, I, I have a true wish for the healing of every place that has conflict. You know, um, and I get in the car, and I'm. We're very silent, and we're driving through this dark, empty city. And I'm thinking, well, don't know how this is going to go. <laughs> and um, we pull up to my dorm in the university. He's been very quiet at this point. And he turns around, and he says to me, um, young lady, I, too, have a daughter your age. And right now, your father is somewhere in America, I guess, by your accent. So he's not here. So right now, I am your father. If I ever catch you <laughs> taking a cab alone late at night in Jerusalem, I will scold you. <laughs> Please, as your father, don't do such things. Out of my cab. <laughs> This is the metasutta living through us, you know? And we, we have these um, opportunities, these chances, you know, to, um, these teachings, they're not far from our heart and not far from our experience at all. It's just that tuning in. So, uh, so how do we stay with it? How do we open the heart and widen the heart, and what are the challenges? It certainly takes a mindfulness practice, right? That ability to s slow down in relationship, to pause, to breathe, to connect with the body, and even to just feel the heart and know the heart is there, right? Particularly when the obstacles are coming, like desire, wanting, greed. You know, um, who has a hungry wolf in relationships, right? So many of us, we have this greed or this wanting, this desire. It's not a negative thing. I think it's very natural. Um, we want to be seen. We want to be cherished. We want people to um, support us and give to us and nurture us and meet our needs and see us who we are. You know, sometimes this comes up as greed and as desire. And it's really the mindfulness that can catch it, you know? And when I'm really coming at you with needing something, I can't really be with you. I'm not receptive. My heart isn't there for you. It's just, it's give me what I want. 
I had a give me what I want moment this morning writing this. Um, I was sitting trying to write this and figure out how to communicate, you know, um, in a clear way or a cohesive way. And um, I have this huge avocado tree that sits over my roof. It's very old and it's big and it's got lots of avocados. And um, there's a wall right next to it. And so lots of creatures love to climb the wall and jump on the roof and then jump in the tree, shake the tree. And so at a certain time of the year in May or June, um, you're sitting in my house and you hear thud, <laughs> roll, thud, roll. And it's usually a squirrel. It could be other creatures that are up in the tree. They've dropped the avocado. And so I'm sitting there, and before my mind can think, the mindfulness wasn't there, I hear little beat and thud, roll. And it's this, the squirrel is on the roof grabbing an avocado. And I'm diverting a bit, but my neighbor put up this spiky thing along the wall so they can't climb there. And what I learned is that the squirrel just learns how to climb on the spiky thing. You know? <laughs> and, and, and this is part of the talk too, right? Because the squirrel doesn't say, why did he put that thing there getting in my way from the avocado, right? He shouldn't do that to me, right? He just learns to jump on the spiky thing. So he, I run out there, and uh, there he is. And the avocado rolls down at my feet. And I pick it up, half eaten, you know? And that's like a moment of mindfulness. It's silly, right? But it's like, oh, I want my avocados perfect. <laughs> They're my tree, and it's my avocado tree, not yours, right? And I want to give avocados to who I want to give them to. And I want them to look nice and pretty so they can think, oh, Wendy's so generous. And oh, she thought of me. And she pulled it off her tree just for me. And then I could feel good because they felt good about me. You know, you see, see what I mean? Mindfulness, being real there with your mindfulness, investigating fully um, how we show up in the world and what's there. Right? So right there, I had a version of the squirrel. Get off my roof. Get out of my tree. Right? Is it really my tree? <laughs> Is it my roof? You know? Um, and does this squirrel have a right to eat? Yeah. Uh, just like I have a right to eat. That's metta. That's loving kindness. Right? All beings have a right to eat, to live, to be free, without preference. You know, even in this light little moment, there's this um, compassion and loving kindness and metta. And you can also see greed. Myself, how important I am. My tree, my avocados, I want them all. <laughs> and I do, right? Um, and I can see the aversion come up. It's not going my way. It's not, dear squirrel, you're not doing what I want. You can make an easy inference. Just as the squirrel doesn't do what I want, most of my relationships, people are not going to do what I want. They're going to frustrate me. They might even anger me. They might even hurt me. They might hugely disappoint me, right? And they may be wonderful too. They may be kind and loving and sweet and thoughtful and really connected um, and generous. There'll be all of that, right? Every relationship will contain all of it. 
to that great cup of coffee I had with you to how insensitive you were on the phone when I made that comment, right? Every relationship will hold both. And what Buddhism teaches us, what the Buddha is teaching us, is whether it's aversive, you know, whether it's unpleasant, aversive, disappointing, and negative, or whether it's wonderful and sweet and delicious, I keep my heart open. I hold my heart open to you, and I hold the experience with a degree of equanimity, with a degree of balance and kindness. I don't waver or wobble. Now that's a great ideal. It's a huge ideal. And a great many of us, we can get tastes of that or pieces of it. It happens sometimes. And then there are other times where we go into our mind, into this egoic structure, this personality, and we start telling a story about how dare this person, right? Or how this person hurt me. Or how this person wasn't there. How could they make that comment? Can you imagine she said that to me, right? Um, what was wrong with them? Or sometimes we do, what's wrong with me? You know, we go into shame. I wasn't good enough. They're rejecting me. I'm not right. I didn't say the right thing. I didn't do the right thing. But whatever it is, we lose the mindfulness. We lose the present moment relationship to a story with judging, with commentary, with right and wrong, with what I need, what I have to have, what I need, what should be happening, how that person should be, how the future should be, what I should look like, right? And we're gone in thought. We're lost. We're lost. We're lost in this thinking mode, yeah? So um, the boundless heart is like a refuge. When we cultivate the loving kindness, we're really cultivating a sweet, space in our psyche and in our being to hold whatever happens relationally with other people, individual, group, family, our children, our parents. There's a refuge. There's a place that I can hold this with love. Yeah? There's a place that I can hold this with compassion for myself and the other person so that um, my interaction is not reactive or toxic. My interaction serves both of us. And it could be a firm boundary. It could be a no. You know, it could be a maybe I'm not going to talk to you right now or see you right now. But the heart can stay open. It doesn't have to shut. So let's see if there's anything else. So the metta sutta, the practice of loving kindness, challenges us to willing, asks us if we're willing to love regardless of negativity that comes up or disappointment or frustration. Can we still keep the heart open and love? Can both be there at the same time? Right? Can we love even our negative reaction? Ah, just like this. Angry at the squirrel, just like this, right? Angry at my partner, 
just like this. Disappointed with that boss, just like this, right? Wish the kid were different. It's just like this. I wish that presidential candidate were very different. It's just like this, right? Can I love in spite of not getting what I want? Can my heart stay open? You know, it's like a boundless heart, and then it's also a courageous heart. Can the heart love in the most difficult times? I think of um, Martin Luther King and the Civil Rights Act, how um, people would have to go down to the South and risk their lives and sit at counters or try to vote or stand in protest, and people would... Um, there was violence and hatred and shouting and most hateful things, yeah? And, um, and part of the civil rights movement and the message of Martin Luther King was to love, was to keep your heart open. Enormous courage to keep our hearts open in situations that require so much courage. Could we um, feel our heart even when we're disappointed? When something went wrong, we didn't get it, or we got rejected, you know? Could we still feel the heart? Can we be in touch with the heart? Can we find the heart as a dwelling place? Can we abide in it through the down times and the hard times as a way of refuge? Even when there's fear of losing something, our self-image or something very valuable, you know, something hard to let go of, can we still hold that heart? It's difficult. It's a challenge. And, you know, we could ask that question, um, why continue loving in an unlovable situation? You know, why hold that heart open? And sometimes the hearts do have to shut for protection. It's understandable. Yeah. We open and close the heart. Um, no one is saying be a victim, be in danger, be abused, be taken advantage of. But ultimately, let's see if I could find my note on that. Um, because it's our nature and part of being human is to have a heart that loves and appreciates, understands, forgives, accepts, and creates space for holding what's hard to hold, that can hold frustration, the unlikableness, because it's in our nature to love that way and to be the source of love. And the heart is always there. People, places, and things are not. But love is always there. The heart is always there. And when we say no and we have aversion, it's a reactivity that just blocks that flow. And we need to learn that over and over again. I'll be learning that over and over again. I, I have not gotten the PhD in the unconditional heart yet. <laughs> but I'm working on my thesis. So. So with love, it has so many elements of compassion, appreciation, 
pleasure, happiness, strength, gratitude, acceptance. They're all elements of love. And all of us, we have this challenge that we can't keep the heart open if only good things happen, just for the good. That's too easy. That's like kindergarten, you know what I mean? That's like uh, elementary school. Um, to be a warrior on the road of awakening, yeah? Um, we need to keep learn or work with and use the practice in a certain way to hold that heart tenderly when they're suffering, when our expectations don't get met. I love that line, expectation is a future resentment. Mm. You know? So we pause and we pause again. What do we use to hold, to work with widening that heart? We use mindfulness, present moment awareness, like with that squirrel, you know? I saw my anger, I saw my frustration with the squirrel. You gave me a half-eaten avocado, right? Um, and so it flows to all other relationships. We will all get the half-eaten avocado, <laughs> you know? The ability to investigate that and see it um, with self-compassion. You know, what happens when you give me that half-eaten avocado, right? You didn't um, answer me when I asked you something, right? You smirked at me. You walked away. Um, you didn't pay attention. You didn't do what I asked you, right? Many half-eaten avocados in our life. <laughs> Some are just the pit. You lied to me, right? Uh, you know, it gets right more and more. But um, okay. So mindfulness, investigating, looking at what's happening inside you. Where's the heart? What are you holding? Um, using metta, loving kindness. That's why we have these phrases of metta. Uh, and we practice the phrases. We practice the feeling. May all beings be safe. May all beings be free from harm. May all beings be peaceful. May they have ease. May they have food in their tummy. You know, May they love themselves unconditionally. We practice those phrases not because we have OCD, you know what I mean? It's not like we're repeating it mechanically. We're practicing for those moments where the door wants to shut, where the heart closes. And sometimes those phrases bubble up and we find them and our heart opens again. Yeah? So we practice loving kindness and we practice self-compassion. For when the heart closes, we have to love the heart that closed. Yeah? We have to love the reactivity and accept it. Really just allow the fact that we're, we're vulnerable and hearts will close. We'll be angry. We'll say the wrong thing. We'll do the wrong thing. You know, We have to have compassion around that too. This is just a field of practice and we are practicing. So Tara Brock in her book um, does this um, meditation that I thought was fascinating and I never occurred to me. She calls it the newspaper 
um, meditation. And I guess today it would be more like an internet meditation, because most of us are not getting news from uh, internet now. And um, she reads a disturbing story in the news. Um, and there are lots of them, you know, a political story, something she doesn't like that gives her aversion that she doesn't want. I can think of many stories right now <laughs> that I will read. And you'll feel, I, we all feel the mind and body. You can feel the stress in your body, the tension, the contraction, um, the sadness, the fear come up. Um, any news story, just about. And, um, and she, what she does is she meditates with that. She reads the story, and then she investigates and practices meditation to see what's arising. And what's arising around something we don't want to hear is usually stress, contraction, suffering, anger, resentment, tension, um, a whole host of difficult mind and body states. And she works with that to find ease to find ease and calm and acceptance. I actually think that's a brilliant idea. Because if we can face these things with ease, calm, and acceptance, even an open heart, maybe we'd have more energy to work towards what the things we want to work for. You know, I, I don't think that she's being passive. It's more energy to face the difficulties in life and take them on as much as we can to be active with, with um, the things we're called to, to, um, to serve and work with. So something to challenge you with, to do a newspaper internet meditation, or the next time someone has really upset you, that may be a good moment for meditation and investigation, to just go inside and look, look at what's happening and see what's in your body and mind. And look at your heart, find your heart. Someone recently told me she's um, had a bout with cancer. And um, I'm not looking at my emails. I'm looking for a poem that I <laughs> didn't have time to print out. So no, I'm not checking my emails right now. OK. And um, she uh, said, her whole recovery, she had a good recovery, um, and it was really a beautiful spiritual path for her, this healing cancer and working with her fear of death. And she said, if I had one sentence, I would sum it up as this. I learned to keep my heart in my body. I learned to keep my heart in my body and to feel my heart at all times. So I'll end this um, with The Guest House by Rumi. Mm -hmm. We can't read this poem enough. Mm -hmm. It could be on a Hallmark card, and I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> this human being is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness. Some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all even if they are a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture. Still, treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight, the dark thought, the shame, the malice. 
Meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whatever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. And I would end this talk with this idea that what opens the door, what greets whatever comes, what has the capacity to open the door is courage and love. It's the love that opens the door. And it's courage that allows us to love. So all we can do each moment, day by day, is tune in, right? Finding the heart in the body and knowing the heart is there. You have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.